October 10th. And now as we turn our attention to the New Testament, our reading today will be from the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. And we'll go through chapter 3, verse 13. We'll read about faithfulness. Paul's suffering in Philippi might have made him hesitate to minister in Thessalonica, but he was a steward who wanted to be faithful to the Lord. His message and motive were pure, and God blessed his ministry. It's better to be approved by God and suffer than to be applauded by men and prosper. When you feel like quitting, keep going. We'll read about blamelessness. How important is it to be good and to be a good example before young believers? Well, children do what we do, not what we say. Does your example as a Christian make it easier for others to grow? When Jesus comes, will you rejoice in His presence because of people you have influenced for Christ? And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. October 10th, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, through chapter 3, verse 13. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we, Paul and his co-workers, worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living, so that our expenses would not be a burden to anyone there as we preached God's good news among you. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were pure and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For He called you into His kingdom to share His glory. And we will never stop thanking God that when we preached His message to you, you didn't think of the words we spoke as being just our own. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it was. And this word continues to work in you who believe. And then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. In this way, you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea, who, because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people, the Jews. For some of the Jews had killed their own prophets, and some even killed the Lord Jesus. Now they have persecuted us and driven us out. They displease God and oppose everyone by trying to keep us from preaching the good news to the Gentiles, for fear some might be saved. By doing this, they continue to pile up their sins. But the anger of God has caught up with them at last. Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented it. After all, what gives us hope and joy, and what is our proud reward and crown? It is you. Yes, you will bring us much joy as we stand together before our Lord Jesus when He comes back again, for you are our pride and joy. Finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided that I should stay alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our co-worker for God and our brother in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from becoming disturbed by the troubles you were going through. But, of course, you know that such troubles are going to happen to us Christians. 
even while we were with you. We warned you that troubles would soon come, and they did, as you well know. That is why, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you, and that all our work had been useless. Now Timothy has just returned, bringing the good news that your faith and love are as strong as ever. He reports that you remember our visit with joy, and that you want to see us just as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly comforted, dear brothers and sisters, in all of our own crushing troubles and suffering, because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life, knowing you remain strong in the Lord. How we thank God for you! Because of you, we have great joy in the presence of God. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill up anything that may still be missing in your faith. May God Himself, our Father, and our Lord Jesus make it possible for us to come to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love grow and overflow to each other and to everyone else, just as our love overflows toward you. As a result, Christ will make your hearts strong, blameless, and holy when you stand before God our Father on that day when our Lord Jesus comes with all those who belong to Him. Hey guys, this is Matthew about to transition from phase one to phase two. And I just want to give a brief encouragement to all my brothers down in phase one. So to Justin, to James, to Lanny, to Adam, and to brother Jacob. What I want to say is, guys, just a moment of pain is worth a lifetime of glory. And I want to repeat that. A moment of pain is worth a lifetime of glory. Remember that. I love you guys, and I hope to see you here in a couple weeks, all of you. Psalm 80, verses 1 through 19. Here, Asaph prayed for the restoration and illumination of God's people by the shining of God's face. Israel was like a flock of sheep led by God, but they were wayward sheep who would not follow the shepherd. So, instead of enjoying green pastures and still waters, they were enduring tears and the reproach of the enemy. The prayer in verses 17 and 18 was partially answered when some of the people returned to the land after the captivity, but it is fully realized in Jesus Christ. We are God's people, and God's people today are sheep in the flock and branches in the vine. So don't take your blessings for granted. He is seeking faithfulness and fruitfulness. Psalm 80, verses 1 through 19, of the choir director, the Psalm of Asaph, to be sung to the tune, Lilies of the Covenant. Please listen, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Israel like a flock. O God, enthroned above the cherubim, display your radiant glory to Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Show us your mighty power. Come to rescue us. Turn us again to yourself, O God. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. O Lord God Almighty, how long will you be angry and reject our prayers? You have fed us with sorrow and made us drink tears by the bucketful. You have made us the scorn of neighboring nations. Our enemies treat us as a joke. Turn us again to yourself, O God Almighty. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. You brought us from Egypt as though we were a tender vine. 
you drove away the pagan nations and transplanted us into your land. You cleared the ground for us, and we took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with our shade. The mighty cedars were covered with our branches. We spread our branches west to the Mediterranean Sea, our limbs east to the Euphrates River. But now, why have you broken down our walls, so that all who pass may steal our fruit? The boar from the forest devours us, and the wild animals feed on us. Come back, we beg you, O God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see our plight. Watch over and care for this vine that you yourself have planted, this son you have raised for yourself. For we are chopped up and burned by our enemies. May they perish at the sight of your frown. Strengthen the man you love, the son of your choice. Then we will never forsake you again. Revive us, so we can call on your name once more. Turn us again to yourself, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. Proverbs 25, verses 1 through 5. These are more Proverbs of Solomon, collected by the advisors of King Hezekiah of Judah. It is God's privilege to conceal things, and the king's privilege to discover them. No one can discover the height of heaven, the depth of the earth, or all that goes on in the king's mind. Remove the dross from silver, and the sterling will be ready for the silversmith. Remove the wicked from the king's court, and his reign will be made secure by justice. Hey guys, this is Kyle. I'm phasing up from second to third. I'm excited to see all you brothers up there in third phase in Columbus and continue to grow in Christ. So I'm going to give a shout out to everybody on the farm. Hey guys, uh, just keep uh, doing what you're doing and growing in Christ and you know have that unity and keep pushing forward. Even though you guys go through your trials, I can't wait to see you guys up in second phase and keep growing. Uh, all my second phase brothers, I love all you guys. I'm excited to see you and continue to uh, grow. I'll be here when you guys need me. Uh, I can't wait to uh, see you in Columbus and so we can hang out and keep uh, doing what we're doing. I love you guys. Later. What if I told you the Bible is not a book of fairy tale stories and moral analogies? It is the miraculously preserved record of God's involvement in man's reality. Through it, God shares with us His deep love for humanity, regardless of our mistakes, sins, and insanity. You see, it's not just a book of do's and don'ts for you and I, or a lesson in ethics so I can be a good person before I die. It is the message from God that this world has sold me a lie. But Jesus came to share the truth, show the way, and give eternal life. Yes, the Bible reveals the sin nature within every man, yet its purpose is not to say that you're worthless, but a treasure designed by God's very hand. When God says that He loves you, He means right where you stand. It's His immeasurable love for you that orchestrated this master plan. From the very beginning, loving you has been a speciality. He chose your eye color, body type, and personality. He made you unique and gave you a nationality. Though you may feel unimportant, you're His masterpiece in actuality. Fast forward to Jesus hanging by three nails on a tree, gasping for air. He was barely able to breathe. He cried out, Father, forgive them. He was praying for you. And for me, this Jesus pleading with God to make us blind men 
see. I mean, this was God's only son separated from his father's presence, forsaken and disconnected so that I could be spared my sentence and adopted into sonship through the simple act of repentance. Because of Jesus, not by merit, I've received this acceptance. Did I mention this good news is not for me only, but for all of God's creation? that through His love, He sent His Son to bring you into salvation. He accepted every beating while knowing many would reject this reconciliation. But to Jesus, you were worth every moment of His torture in order to secure your emancipation. Oh, and three days after Jesus had died, by the power of God, He was brought back to life. And as He walked out from the tomb, Mary looked at Him with her own eyes and ran back to the disciples to share, Jesus is alive. Notice God entrusted a woman to be the first person to tell the guys. Well, the disciples laughed and thought, this woman has lost her mind. Even the disciples still had doubts after all this time. But shortly after, Jesus appeared to them all and said this line, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age as he ascended on high. He said these words to remind us he didn't just leave us all alone, to sit somewhere far away from us on his heavenly throne. No, to be in touch with my God, you don't need some spiritual telephone. You simply have faith in Jesus' name and He'll make your body His home. You see, God's love has nothing to do with my good behavior and everything to do with His unconditional loving nature. The Bible says we're like lost sheep hunted by wolves in a pasture and that Jesus is the Lamb of God ripped apart in order to save me from disaster. And like all good shepherds, God gave His life for His sheep. He came humble and meek, fresh meat for them to sink in their teeth. I made weak. I cannot hide what is happening to my heart underneath. Jesus is bringing a life, the dead man inside of me, and all I have to do is breathe. And from this breath, God breathes life into you by the words that I speak. But don't be confused. My words have no power and my talk is cheap. If this was all dependent on my ability, I would put you to sleep. It's the one named Jesus whose talent far exceeds any earthly MC, whose kingdom is not one of word, but of power, who's ready and willing to set you free from bondage at this very hour. Don't wait another second. The fruit this world offers you will always turn sour. It will never fill that emptiness you feel when you question life alone in the shower. I'm here to warn you that this world will leave you destitute and naked. It's had you deceived by a 2D image on a screen since temptation first said, hey kid, and now you're stuck in a vicious cycle of recreational sex and getting wasted. Like, wait, I thought I'd be happy saying YOLO and doing everything Drake did. Or maybe you fell for religion and believe grace is based on good behavior, thinking if I go to church, memorize every verse, then I'll be good enough for my Savior. Forgetting grace is a gift and there are things more important to your maker, like loving the sick, poor and forgotten, the widow, fatherless and the stranger. See, if I have not love, it's just self-righteous moralism. And if I'm living this way, I'm in direct opposition to the God who gave his son for all, who made loving you his primary mission. This is why I believe in Jesus, because Jesus is greater than religion.